Everyone has a group chat, but why is it still so hard to split the cost for gifts or festival tickets or travel? You're constantly chasing people to pay you back and often get left holding the bill. PaySquad is on a mission to make it easier to do stuff together. We're building simple, easy group payments that exist right at checkout. I'm Cam Richardson, the founder. Check it out at PaySquad.co and find me on LinkedIn. Let's dream big, buy now and pay together. Hello and welcome to Funny Business, the best podcast on the internet. I'm Locke. And I'm Rob. And on today's episode, we have Shane Tino. I feel like uh, we said this off air, Locke, but this is one of probably the most in- inspirational and memorable stories and backgrounds of any guests we've had on the Funny Business podcast. And Shane, he's a male fashion creator by trade who's now kicked off his own brand, uh, past, present, future doing cool things. This is such an inspirational story. And ever since meeting Shane, you can feel the energy of what he's done, one, in his life, what he's, he's built around, I guess, the, the motivation, the mindset that goes uh, alongside his journey and, and what him and his family have been through. And uh, inspirational stuff. Can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. I don't think I can add too much more to that. I just love the guy and I reckon you'll love him too. Shane, thank you so much for jumping on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us, who are you and what do you do? Hey, guys. I'm Shane Tino. I'm a Melbourne-based creative. Um, yeah, so at the moment, I've got a business called Past, Present, Future. It's in the immense apparel space. I, I have a physical retail shop in Bendigo, which we kicked off uh, on the 1st of December, 2022. I also do content creation full-time, so I collaborate with uh, national and international brands, uh, creating assets for advertising for my own socials as well as uh, websites and EDM. That's kind of, yeah, the gist of what I do. Oh, bro, I've seen your Instagram and I've gone through a few times and you go to a lot of places. What have been some of the memorable moments standing out? Because, I mean, like, you're going to this country, to that country, and you're working with, like, the fully, like... Yeah, give us some reference of the yeah. people who are listening who might not understand what it means. Some of the brands. The, what are yeah. some of the brands you've worked with? Yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to be uh, flown over to New York City. I've worked with Coach, which is a, a leather goods company in America. Um, they flew me for their fashion show in, I think it was early 2020. I was sitting next to Michael B. Jordan um, at Front Row, and yeah, it's just like some of the some of the wild experiences you get to kind of experience. I also work with brands like um, Bentley. I was just overseas last month in Singapore uh, for the launch of their new car. I also work with Xenia, uh, Louis Vuitton, Dior, Valentino, Hennessy, uh, Centauri. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty big list. I, I, sometimes I forget, like, you know, what, what I've worked on. But, yeah, when I talk about it, it's, I just can't believe it myself. One cool thing when we caught up was hearing your story about being in the game and sort of touching all the different parts of fashion and, and that world. So I suppose to get started for the pot, it'd be cool to dig back into to your journey. Like, did you grow up in Bendigo? Is that the reason for the shop there? Like, what's the story? Yeah, so I was born in Zimbabwe. Uh, my family were in politics, so we had to flee in early 2002. Uh, at that point, the country was getting very unsafe. My mum was in a, uh, a prime position in our region, 
So, and the opposition leader had won the election, well, rigged the election that year. So mum got in contact with uh, friends from the UK, friends from New Zealand, just to be able to obtain a family visa for us to move urgently. Um, and yeah, New Zealand came first. So we literally packed our bags and left Zimbabwe. We relocated the whole family to uh, New Zealand in, I think, yeah, just to early 2003. I was about eight years old at the time. So, yeah, it was kind of a, a tough experience. I have this vivid memory, and I was actually speaking to mom about this early this week. Um, you know, I was literally at, at the bus stop just waiting for, for a bus heading to school. You know, I was probably six or seven at the time, and we just seen, like, army trucks rolling through town and sending everyone home. We, we were locked in into the house for a week and that was during elections and no one could leave outside. Otherwise, you know, family members would be bashed. Um, yeah, it was just a real ugly time back then. So, yeah, we moved to New Zealand. We had to literally build from zero to up. We couldn't... We sold literally everything just to... You had to... Um, buy passports and everything is corrupt. So you're paying, you're not just paying for a normal passport. We, we had to spend everything we had to just to get out of the country and moving to New Zealand. We basically started from scratch. We moved to the worst street you could imagine. We lived next to like a, a gang leader. Um, and it was such one big cultural shock. We're one of the first African families to move into this town so, you know, as a child, it was just tough dealing with racism, um, dealing with people, just seeing black people for the first time. At school, people would just like play with my hair. Um, and I just felt like always singled out. So, but yeah, you know, I feel for my, my, my family. I feel for my mom going from leaving, like having such a good life there and then leaving all her family behind to do what's best for her family and kids. Um, it was tough, to say the least. And what about that initial time? You're in New Zealand. When did you make the trip over to Australia? Yeah, so we're in New Zealand and we, we just, we had heard from friends that, you know, there's more Africans in Australia. Um, it was easier for us to, I guess, emerge or mold into the community. Um, yeah, we, we really struggled in New Zealand. So we, we left uh, when I was about 15. That was December 2010. Um, and, yeah, we just moved. By then, mum had studied nursing. Um, she was working two jobs just to put food on the table. So we, we moved to a small place called Swan Hill um, in, yeah, in Australia just because mum had a, a job offer there. Man, I feel like when you when we caught up the other day and got to hear your story, one thing for me that really stood out is just how to, how down to earth that you are and like how passionate you are, but also how much your family's done to put you in a position to allow you to do other things, you know what I mean? And I feel like there's a lot of people that come across and especially like... That's courage, isn't it? You know, like yeah, to yeah. put yourself out there and have a crack and to be working multiple jobs and for your mum to do all these other things and... Uh, you mentioned to us that your dad also passed away when you were young and the challenges that 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 had as well. Like, I just, for us to be able to share this story on the pod, like, we're so stoked you'd be able to come on and one, open up and, and be, but I think it really adds to all the things that, I know we said at the start, you've worked with all these crazy brands, but 
the kind of like the you know, use your word the other day the yeah, juxtap- it's a good word the juxtaposition of what where you what you've come from and had how it happened for you to what you're doing now is just so crazy man yeah so unfortunately when when we were in in New Zealand my dad passed away um with a heart failure um in around 2014 so it it pushed you know my mum and myself into this position I have two younger brothers and I had to take on the role as the man of the house at such an early age where I was still trying to discover myself, you know, as a kid too. Um, so, yeah, my dad worked in the mines back home and unfortunately, you know, they're, they're not equipped with the proper safety equipment and all that. So it just, when he came over, he just had problems with his, you know, with his health. So, yeah, unfortunately we lost him and then we had to rebuild again um, and, and just to see the strength from my mum, you know, just because not only we're building our own life here in, in New Zealand and Australia, we we're still supporting all of our family back home. They re- relied on us, all of our cousins we would pay for, you know, all their tuition and all that. And so when, I, when my dad passed away, I had to step up and instantly start working. So I did jobs like paperboy um you know doing gardening on school holidays working with any kind of labor jobs that would get you know would help me put on food on the table for the family um so i quickly learned the importance of responsibility at a young age and yeah it was tough don't get me wrong it was really tough you know seeing kids my age you know just be kids play around and not have to worry about things like what we're eating next day. So, yeah, those, those were the challenges I, I, I had to face earlier on in life. Was, was there a moment through all of this sort of stuff where you realised that you wanted to do some of th- your own things? You know what I mean? Like it, going through all these yeah. things, working early jobs, I can imagine you're like, well, fuck, what job do I actually want to do? You know, what am I actually, what, what do yeah. I do? What can I do next? Of, of course. So when, when we moved to Australia, I just remember, you know, in my early early stages here in, in, in this country I, I loved I loved clothes and I, I found that you know to fit in at school like kids really cared about what you wore and people would hang out with you if you dress well and you'd be more accepted in into the social friendship circles and because we didn't have much we would always like be wearing secondhand clothes and you know, even passed me down uniforms to school. So it, it really made me feel like, I don't know, disconnected to the other kids. So after school, I'd literally walk, walk around town, walk into the clothing shops, talk to the retail assistants. And I just loved, you know, what, what they were doing. I loved clothing. And I would ask them questions all the time about clothing. And it, it made me like want what I couldn't have. And very quickly, I was like, you know what? I want to have my own fashion business. And even though I can't afford these clothes now, one day I'll be able to put them on people. That's crazy, man. And what was your first steps? Take us into the pathway into fashion for you. Yeah, so after high school, I got into DJing. And a friend of of mine and I were DJ Juro. Uh, going around Australia, we're fortunate enough to play in places like Queensland, Thailand, um, New South Wales, just literally playing, uh, yeah, tunes. And uh, our brand, DJ brand, got popular. 
So uh, clothing stores started sending us clothing. This is the early stage of Instagram, like I'm talking 2013, 14. And I, I noticed an opportunity here. I was like, why do all these clothes keep wanting to send us clothing? Like what's, what's happening in this space? And I turned around to one of the main companies that were kept the relationship going strong and I asked for a job. I said, hey, look, I'm interested in the fashion space. I'm currently living in Bendigo. I'd love to move down to Melbourne. I'm happy to literally start anywhere. I just want to learn from you guys. This was through Instagram DM. And the owner replied to me and said, hey, mate, pop into the office tomorrow and uh, we'll, we'll have a catch up. So I literally got in my car the next day, drove to Preston, um, had a meeting and I just said, I'm, I'm keen to work. And uh, two months later, I packed up, moved to Melbourne and I started off in, in retail in one of their stores. At the time, they had uh, two retail stores. So, yeah, it was kind of like I was learning from a, a business that was predominant in wholesale and also dabbling into the retail space. I, I, I really loved talking to people, again, you know, helping them style themselves and learn more and immerse more into the fashion space. Um, but, you know, during that process, the company was growing quite fast. Um, so one of the, the owners popped into the shop one day when I was working and he was like, oh, you know what, it would be cool to use you on our website to do some content. And I was like, oh, you know, what's all of this about? <laughs> anyway, what's so all I, this about, baby? Put me right <laughs> there in the window. <laughs> Moving, you yeah. said that, and then yes, the next man. thing you know, you'd already turned around, you had all the cameras and that set up, and you said, Oh, me, what do you mean? No, me being a yes man, I was like, You know what? Yeah, let's 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 do it. And, um, yeah, I shot the e com, and then, yeah, once that was released, I had other brands reach out asking for the same thing. And then, just one day out of the blue, the marketing manager of Cotton On Group for Factory just slid into my Instagram DM. And said, hey, uh, we're casting for a shoot. Please meet me at my house Friday afternoon. Literally finished my shift, went to Port Melbourne. This is, again, this is very, to, to explain, like, normally when you've been casted for a modeling shoot, you have to go into their office. So the fact that she was, like, asking me to meet her at her house, it was, like, strange thing, if you get me, like, almost unprofessional. Um, but yeah, she was just keen to have me on board. So I literally met her and she was like, great, you're perfect. You be here on Monday morning, she sent me to the shoot location. And I got my first job with a, a national brand, which was Factory. Um, it was a two-day shoot that paid me eight grand. And, um, you know, my mind was just like blown away. I was like, I've literally rocked up. They've taken photos of me and they're paying me $8,000. There's something here, you know. I was just like, I got excited. As, as a young teenager, you're like, okay, alarm bells. There's, there's something to be done here. What about like taking new opportunities, like progressing? What is it about the mindset for you that you're just like, yeah, I want to take that opportunity. I want to see where that goes. Yeah, I just, I, I always known like the the meaning of, you know, what we had, what my parents sacrificed to come here. And I knew that every time I thought about my family members back home, what they would do to come here. Um, so I just knew when opportunities came my way, I just, I had to do it. Like it was almost selfish of me not to do it because, you know, what it means for other people to be in the position I am in. 
Um, so that made me become like a, a keen, like a yes man, like just always open to learning, always open to try new things. And yeah, you know, a few months down the track from that first factory shoot, I ended up resigning from Neverland store and became a full-time model. So it's just, it literally just from that one lady, from that one shoot, it just blew up. Like I was being flown to Sydney every fortnight, shooting for brands like Maya, David Jones, the iconic. Um, and it got to a point where brands would fly me overseas to just to literally do a campaign. So I was just, you know, I wasn't expecting this kind of journey, but I was open to always trying new things and it opened more and more doors along the way. I feel like you really got to see the inside of brands, you know, like from working from the behind the scenes, working in stores, well, working, selling it at the start, you know, you know like yeah. understanding yeah. what people want, being so passionate about yourself, learning the wholesale side of things, mm -hmm. but then also being in the campaigns and the shoots of the, how does a brand come to life? What are your thoughts on what makes a good brand? Yeah. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of marketing managers that would be on set. They would be telling me about the product and the range. And I'd learn on why they do things a certain way, why the marketing was done that way. Um, so I really understood that to make a good brand, you need to really nail down your messaging, really nail down who you are, who your customer is. So it, it really came down to, obviously, first of all, the product. But after the product is done, it really comes down to who are you trying to target? Who are you speaking to? And what do you stand for as a brand? That's what makes a good brand, in my opinion. Is it so like I see like brands and clothing and that, and it's like something I want to identify with. You know what I mean? I want to be I identify with a certain aesthetic and that. Like, but for what you're building at past, present, future, is that all sort of infused inspirations from all the stuff that you've seen in your past and just what you want to? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So literally, uh, how I got named past, present, future. I've had this playlist since literally the inception of Spotify on my phone and I just called it past, present, future. And basically all the, the experiences I was going through life, I, I'd always listen to music at the time. So I'd put um, songs like into this playlist and it would build like, it would build like space for me to go back into and it would remind me of that past time. So I really connected with with the name and, you know, literally the playlist is from 2014. So years down the track um, to, to, you know, to, to go back to this playlist and to use this name as for the brand meaning, it's just, it re represents what I've been through in my past and where, where I am currently and where I'm trying to go. Hey, one thing we did when we caught up, <laughs> I'm trying to fucking remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> I went, a, I went a bit. Uh, hey, I went a bit. How you going there? But one of the things we chatted about, Shane, uh, when we caught up, was just the gap you saw in, in this space, especially for men and what you're trying to do. Can you get? Can you take us through what you saw and, and why you're targeting this space? Yeah, for me, the the gap I I saw was there was a huge opportunity in Australian brands focusing on men's pants. I don't know. I feel like a lot of men's Brands are so focused on like the t-shirts, the hoodies, the upper body. And we, we don't have like major key brands that are known for pants in Australia. So I knew for myself to want to create something that, you know, can stay in people's wardrobes. I wanted to focus on a product that's 
not really focused on as much. So I just seen this opportunity. I was like, you know what? Brand is going to be about pants. So, and I'll just build around that. Hey, and, and take us through having a store in Bendigo. Yeah, so I was, my family still live in Bendigo and I just knew that in, in a town like that, there's not much creative opportunities. So I wanted to build something that wasn't existing in that environment. Um, the shop naturally just fit in that space. And yeah, we opened on the 1st of December, 2022. And from instantly, we got amazing reception. The community got around us. We did a lot of community activities around town to just to, you know, to, to reach the, the audience. I love that Bendigo. I'm trying to remember if I've ever been there before. I reckon I've been on. I reckon I've been on the V line maybe there once, but um, I just think it's cool, bro. And I think like you even thinking about the people there, where you where you're growing up and where your people live. It's just like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have it here. And I think it's a a cool mindset. It's you know? a bit of a time warp going to Bendigo. We went up there with my my wife's got family who lives up in Bendigo, and like you, you're riding on penny farthings. We it? we took my my daughter Matilda up there to go and um see the grandparents and do all that sort of good stuff up there and. It really is. It's like stepping back in time compared to where you live in now in Melbourne and like the old heritage buildings and and you I get feel the like best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean like yeah. build, actually building something like building a brand out of a town like that that wouldn't normally get something like that. I feel like that must be uh, pretty cool for you to be able to do as well. Yeah, it's just um, you know obviously in my early years I did live in Bendigo and I just felt like everything about fashion was always based in Melbourne or in bigger cities. Um, and there was no like brands or opportunities in that town. So it only felt natural to kind of start my, my journey there again. So what's the game plan with it now? What would you like this brand to do? I know that you've got some, um, you've had some initial campaign and stuff that's going on. That's some cool stuff. You know what I mean? I feel like with now it's, it's your thing. It's like, um, it's not, uh, not representing other brands. I know that you can uh, still do all the other stuff that you're doing, but this is your baby now. What are you excited about? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm a product person first. And, you know, I'm a, I, I love details. I love fabrics. Um, I spend a lot of time uh, traveling around, like overseas, like learning and researching about the craft of creating product. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'm just excited to put out just awesome product, to be honest. Like I just, yeah, I, my pants are awesome and I, I can't wait for people to to touch them, to feel the fabrics and to try it on. Yeah, I just, I believe in what I'm building um, and I couldn't be more excited for this journey. I'm, I'm keen to to learn along the way and, and just to, to try new things. How do you go about building the product then? So you mentioned you get the inspiration, you're like, I like that, I want to do that with that. Does it go into a notebook? Does it go into like a Figma or something like that? Or what are you playing with to make it come to life? Yeah, so um, I knew for me, first of all, I want to build anything I'm working on, I want it to be the best. So um, I love collaborating with with the right people. Um, while I was working at the previous company I, I was working at, I, I became really good friends with some of the product specialists who've been in this game for 15, 20 years. So I knew for me to create my vision and to really get it to the point I want to get it at, um, I collaborated with these industry experienced key people that specialize in um, garment measurements and garment fit. So, yeah, I, I just got a, 
I've put together a small group of product specialists and we've brought this product to life. So I think the key is really re- relying on your contacts to, to build what you believe is the best product possible. So I knew I could, yeah, I could attempt to do this all myself, but I don't have as much knowledge as someone who'd been in this game for the last 20 years. So coming together with those people and, you know, laying down my vision, I, I, start, I start off, my process initially starts off as creating a mood board, um, put what inspires me, what inspires the product, the direction it's heading into this massive like brain dump document. And then from there, I'll sit down with, you know, my graphic designer, do I want to put graphics into this garment? Do I want to place any details here and there? And then we'll come up with the the graphic story to say. And then from the graphic story, I'll then go sit down with my um, garment specialist and we sit down and go, all right, this is where I I believe it should sit. These are the graphics. These are the shapes I want to create. And then we sit down, smash out Illustrator. We start to draw the shapes. And then, yeah, and the next step is sampling. So through sent through the factory and then you get samples back. And then I get the product technician on board. She comes in, we get a fit model and we start to fit the garments on the model. It's a bit of I a think, process. I know, I love that. I think shape's so important. I think as we're getting older, we're like, we we prefer the cut of a fit i reckon more than like a graphic or anything like that because it's more like how it fits around your body Mm -hmm. as you go older i reckon and i feel like having the confidence to rock new things but i don't know i just i like the fact like i look at someone maybe not kanye as of recent uh with some of (laughs) some of his stuff but what actually what are your thoughts on the some of the stuff that he's been wearing lately ah you know this is i might sound really controversial here but i i always truly believe Kanye has always led the way into where fashion is going. So it might not be in that exact point in time, but years down the track, people will reference what he's doing. So everything he does is almost too early into the scene. So I don't agree with the the barefoot movement, but he's he's trying to portray this like minimalist story and lifestyle of less is more. Um, I don't know. I just... I feel like this is where we're heading as well as on a commercial level, people want, you know, less is more. So they want less graphics, less details. You want a core wardrobe where you can, you know, recycle and rewear your products over and over again. If you've got a massive logo on your T-shirt, how many times can you wear that before you get sick of it? But a classic white tee, you would thrash that. You know, I love that. I just, yeah. I just saw him rocking just like socks on the road and that. But I, uh, but like the <laughs> the ones that I'm seeing that I think will take off, and I'm kind of seeing it now, is like shoulder pads. You know, yeah. like that that big look of like short, like the broad shoulders. I've seen that a bit lately, and I'm like, I think that's becoming a thing now. <laughs> yeah, well, brands like Balenciaga have jumped on that like bandwagon. Um, but yeah, I, I guess for me and what we're doing at Past, Present, Future, to be honest, like I, I love, I love cuts. I love classic fits. You know, I love fabrication. I love, you know, simplistic details. So uh, as much as I, I like what Kanye does in leading the space, um, I'm, that's not the direction I'm trying to build around. I just want to build the, the most versatile wardrobe for the everyday man. Uh, so oh, no, oh. no shoulder pads in the first drop. Is that what you're, that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, definitely no, no shoulder yeah. pads. 
<clears throat> are you coming from like you know that um one story about Locke when we used to live together, Shane? He actually I don't know if you can take some of his fashion or styling advice. Oh, he actually he actually wanted fake grass as our lounge room rug. Well, I didn't that's, say interior designer. I could decorate myself. Not you know, I mean, that's what he honestly wanted. He wanted us to get a rug of fake grass in the lounge room. So uh, I don't that know. was ahead of the times. I feel like that was ahead of the times. People will Is that start... acceptable or not acceptable? <clears throat> oh, look, I don't know. The, the, the whole rug thing kind of took off during COVID. People were just going insane, like just buying and DIYing different things. Um, I don't know about the grass in the lounge room. <laughs> Definitely not my vibe. Rob, Rob's hoping race car beds come back into fashion. <laughs> uh, so we can dust out his old one. Right? What about inspirations? What brands do you really like? What do you take? What do you normally wear yourself? Mm. Um, I try to wear these days uh, most of my product. <laughs> I'm almost like you know you gotta you gotta rep what you you know, what you're selling. So See, I, I, I love that too, yeah. Shane, because I wear yeah. Dream Big Social Club even on Saturdays and Sundays. And yeah. then people were telling me it's kind of like a work uniform, but I'm like, yeah, I'm always selling. I'm you know, I'm always on, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> nah, but um, I, I love brands like Carhartt. I love Levi's. Um, you know, I like Dior for their craftsmanship. But yeah, I just like the workwear space. I've always loved Dickies. So when when I when I think of like those brands and what they've produced, it's like they started as literally um, trader uniform, like workwear uniform. People would wear that, mechanics would wear that, garden like farmers would wear that, and you know that message also it it, it tells the story of like how strong the brand, like the fabrics they're using, and like how long the product can last. So yeah, I, I take a lot of inspiration from workwear brands because. I don't know, it's just that, you know, versatile and tough fabric. Yeah. But I really like like people that. want stuff that's going to last a while. You know, like yeah. one of the things that stands out for me about those brands or anything that I've ever owned for the ones that you yeah. mentioned is like I get heaps of wear out of it. And when I still wear it, <clears throat> even after I've thrashed it a bit, it doesn't look shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It comes to the, the quality. And I know the stuff that you talked about when we caught up around like what fabrics and stuff that you're choosing and for your mm. pants specifically, I'm – it's not like I hey, want them now. I it's not them. like I need this one outfit. I'm going to wear it once, and then I'm going to fuck it off because it doesn't work anymore. Or it's it's got a hole yeah. in it. Or- these are my staples, baby. I wear these all the time, and they'll just change the color. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. A question we ask all our guests is a bit of a mental health one. So, what do you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? <sighs> For me, like you know, the way I started my fashion journey was music. So like music is still my go-to i just uh smash my headphones in go for a walk um and just yeah put my playlist on it just zones me out i I don't know there's something about music that just removes you almost from the world what what's on the playlist at the moment what are you bopping your head to honestly afro beats we are like the biggest genre in the world right now it's crazy you know, like, I don't know if you guys have heard of artists like Burner Boy. Oh, I've had the playlist and stuff on and it just puts you in a mood, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I listen to a lot of African artists. It's just cool. Like, we, we've always been such a, I don't know how to say it, like a, we haven't had so much exposure as a continent and now it's it's all about African artists, African designers. It's just a... For me as a, an African, it's just an exciting time in the space. Have you been back to Zimbabwe since? Yeah, when, when we lived in New Zealand, it would go back a lot. Um, but since 
being in Australia for the last 10 years, I haven't had the opportunity to go back. It's something I do plan on going back in probably the next year. Um, part of what I want to do moving forward with the brand is I want to do more storytelling with um, some of the fabrics and the way we make certain knits. I actually want to produce some garments there and, um, and yeah, just shoot the, the product there as well. Man, we're, we're getting to the pointy end of the year now, which is it's weird to say out loud there's a few months to go until the end of the year. What are you excited about? What can we expect to see? Um, yeah, we've got some collaborations in the pipeline. We, we're, talking, we're talking to some big brands. Um, yeah, something you wouldn't expect. So I'm keen to do that. And we're also looking at a pop-up in Melbourne throughout the summer. Um, and then, yeah, you might see us in... Uh, a couple of bigger doors next year across the, the nation. Watch this space. Well, if you need any models, just let Rob know because he's been <laughs> he's been telling me he's been getting himself into good nick. He's been going to the gym for this opportunity, Shane. So if you wanted to model for the pop-up, he can do some some sort of I feel like I, I would be a horrible choice because I feel so uncomfortable in front of a camera and awkward and things, but lock lock would be no we always think about like I, I find it it would be hard to be a model and get photos taken of you all the time because I feel like I don't know just pe- co- people constantly gawking at you. I reckon it takes a a skill. Honestly, at, at first, it's like you feel like people are always watching you. Especially now, I shoot a lot of my collaboration content in in literally Melbourne CBD. Um, and yeah, it's but after a while, you just get used to it. I think in my like in my modeling days, I would have done over a thousand photo shoots. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. And they're shooting on a you know per day. You shoot sixty different outfits. Do you do you have yes, do you have, sixty yeah. outfits? Yeah, man. You have photos of everything, like all the old stuff. Have you got like a, just a box of just like all the outfits that you've worn, all the photos? <laughs> My mum keeps um all the old magazines and all that you know GQ and things like that. But um yeah. I've got like a digital kind of folder where I keep some of the my, my favorite kind of campaigns. Some I've done with like brands like Coach and you know Grazia Magazine. But yeah, I'll be doing that Throwback Thursday uh, every week on Instagram. Like, right? <laughs> Three times a day. Throwback Tuesday. Throwback <laughs> Thursdays. Send back Saturday. <laughs> I, I am getting older now, and um, obviously, like modeling isn't my my kind of my main focus and. I felt myself and my body just like mature and I, you know, I put a bit of weight on and stuff and I'm just like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I couldn't even be a model anymore, even if I wanted to, um, starting to take on that dad bod, you know, Ain't nothing wrong with a dad bod, mate. That's, that's trendy, bro. That's ahead of the curve. I've been telling people for years, just let it grow out a little bit. Let the pot go. Hey, let, you know? That's a new look. Let the pot go. Get the fake grass and everything will be all, everything will be all good. Well, man, how do they find your stuff? If people are interested in to learn more, how can they find what you're up to? Um, best way to keep up to date is on my Instagram page, uh, at doc. Uh, sorry, at ShaneTino. Um, otherwise, pastpresentfutureshop.com too easy well thank you so much for jumping on and and unreal story I thank you thank chat. you so much for yeah. being so open and sharing i feel like so many people are going to take a lot from this chat thanks guys honor to be here thank you so much hey i feel like do you reckon if you had the cut of those pants that you're really talking about would you be rocking them every day just i said that i think i said that on the pod i'd rock a different color every day and 
Because when he was showing us when we caught up and he's going through the lookbook and I'm like, that is just me to it. Do you reckon it would polish you up, like polish your turd a little bit if you were wearing that sort of stuff? I feel like deals would get done a lot quicker, a lot easier because I'd be like, look at this guy. He's just out of control in the zone. I reckon it might be a bit hard. Maybe you'd, just be, you'd be stuck glued in front of the mirror looking at yourself, huh? Well, new revenue stream, modelling, I could get into it. <laughs> Happy funny business models, uh, huh? Yeah, hire us out, parties. I reckon I could pimp you out a bit. Yeah. Uh, was it? What's the Lowe's? Lowe's <laughs> <laughs> with the big man and yeah. Bo Ryan. Yeah. Lowe's, yeah, Lowe's. I reckon you'd be you're the perfect picture man for Lowe's. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, maybe we should hit him up. Hey man, do you think? What about us? Huh? <laughs> hey, but seriously, Shane's. I oh know we're joking around, but uh, we absolutely love meeting Shane, hearing his story, his journey, and. Uh, if you liked this episode and if you liked, you're new to the Funny Business Podcast or you've been listening for a while and you haven't told a friend yet, please hit the share button, send this send this episode to a friend that really goes a long way to help and grow the show. Thank you so much and uh, back again, whatever. We release pods all the fucking time, so we're back all the time. <laughs> hey, Cam, founder of Pay Squad here again. Since bootstrapping a simple MVP in November, we've connected with hundreds of customers, added seven merchants ready to integrate, forged a multinational partnership and are ready to grow our squad with fresh faces and fresh capital. If you're interested in being a part of our journey through investment, strategic help, or heck, even getting into the trenches with us, reach out to me via LinkedIn or head up any of the dream big lads. Let's help people pay together.